Alright everybody, I'm here today with John Graham. He is the owner of Adzi. How are you doing today, John? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. So today we're going to be talking about leveraging payment data for marketing. So we're going to be talking about small business owners and what they can do to leverage this data we're collecting with payments to really enable their marketing. But before we do that, John, I'd love to get a little bit of background on you. How did you get into this industry? How'd you end up uh, you know, with Adzi and all of that? Give us a little bit of your story. Yeah, so I started in the business back in 2011. Um, that was actually right when I had graduated from college. So I went to work for a local ITO. Um, I did that for about three years. And then ultimately I broke off to kind of start my own business. Um, that business was actually Table Crunch, which is more of like a restaurant technology company. And I was really wanting to just kind of uh, bring my own technologies and software to the fold. Um, so ultimately I ended up running that business for a while. And, you know, we still are operating that business. We actually work with you know, hundreds of St. Louis restaurant brands. But ultimately, that was kind of a segue into us uh, running Adzi. Um, we basically started Adzi because we had so many customers at the time just, you know, expressing their frustration with marketing overall. So um, right. we kind of right. set out on a path to kind of solve the problem of, you know, not understanding whether or not your marketing dollars are actually working for you. Sure. So that's a really good segue into my next question. So kind of frame this for us a little bit. You know, what is this opportunity that exists, this problem that exists where merchants are wanting to integrate their data from marketing with their data at the point of sale? What does that exactly mean? And, and what's this What's this opportunity looking like? Yeah, that's a really great question. So it's actually an enormous opportunity because if you think about credit card processing in general, you know, on average, it's about 2 to 3% of a sunk cost for these businesses every single month. So in effect, what we're doing is we're actually capturing that in-store payment data. We're coupling that with the point-of-sale data, and then we've actually integrated into social networks to where we can actually utilize um, those in-store purchases to actually create audiences and, you know, serve people targeted ads. So um, in essence, what I always say is we're turning your credit card processing into an investment. So, you know, the alternative is you can either, you know, look at it as a sunk cost every month or you can utilize a platform like Adzi to where it can literally become the number one driver of revenue for your business every single month. Yeah. So I think what I hear you saying is that, you know, when you're talking about marketing, there's kind of these two steps that exist. Step number one is you've got to identify your target market. Uh, before you spend a ton of money, because if you just spend money on, you know, just this huge indiscriminate group, you're never going to make any return on that investment. So if, if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is Adzi basically takes this kind of expense the merchants are paying and says, let's instead of making that a two to three percent loss, let's take that and look at that as an investment to complete the first step, which is identifying the people you're going to market to. And then we're then you can make those good investments. They're going to have a good return on investment because you're marketing to the right people. Is that kind of what, what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And we've really automated what like a lot of like larger ad agencies will do. Um, you know, if you look at like corporate retailers, you know, they know the importance of capturing in-store data. I always like to use the example of like, you know, Nordstrom Rack. Like every time you go there, if you check out, you literally can't walk out of there without them, you know, asking for your email because, you know, it's so right. deeply ingrained into their employees' heads, you know, that it's just process. Um, so, yeah, we're basically, you know, able to capture those in-store purchases so we can do things like, we can actually take like your existing customer data and then we can create like, for example, lookalike audiences. 
Now, I know you're probably familiar with those, but most of our listeners... Sure, listeners yeah, tell, tell us what that is, are. definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, so really, that's just like the process of, you know, encrypting data and then sending it to Facebook to where Facebook's actually going to take these millions of data points that they have on each individual consumer, and they're going to say, okay, well, here's all the people that we know have shopped at your business and made a purchase, and they're going to generate a list of people they think are most similar to those folks that are most inclined to actually walk through the doors and make a purchase as a new customer. So we've really taken the complexities of, you know, Facebook's back end, and we've really just automated everything to make it very simple for the everyday operator to actually create a lookalike audience and run a targeted ad. Sure. And, you know, let's let's dig a little bit deeper into Facebook marketing here. Um, so I'm really passionate about this. We actually do a lot of Facebook marketing here at our company. But, yep. you know, we have the benefit of like, you know, we're in a classic e-commerce business. You know, the people that pay us are paying us for our consulting or our technology solutions or whatever. And so, you know, for me, it's like, oh, this is really, really easy. I can get a big list of email addresses and upload that to Facebook and create a custom audience to target people. So why is it so challenging for brick and mortar businesses to use Facebook ads? It's like they all want to use it. If you, you know, if you want to say one thing that business owners would love to talk about, it's Facebook ads. They love the idea, but why do they have such a hard time implementing it? Yeah, that's a really great question. And you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talk about online businesses. So, you know, online businesses actually have tools available to them like cookies or pixels that really allow them to track and really see the full buyer's journey. So, for example, if they want to run targeted ads, they can really understand who's clicking on our ads, who's landing on the web pages. You know, are they converting by making a purchase on our website? If they're not converting, they have tools like the pixel to retarget those folks until they ultimately do convert. But what it does is it gives them enormous competitive advantage over brick-and-mortar retailers because they can really start to understand key business metrics like, you know, what does it cost me to acquire a customer or what is the lifetime value of a customer to my business? And if you don't understand those metrics, then you really don't understand your business. So what's ultimately happening for the offline world is, you know, all of their transactions happen offline in their physical store. So if they're running targeted ads, essentially, you know, they're – getting lost in that buyer's journey because they don't actually know who's interacting with their online ads and then coming in to make a purchase. So when we kind of recognize that, we just thought, wow, you know, this is a massive, massive problem and it's putting these folks at a disadvantage. So um, that's when we wanted to kind of utilize my background and payments and point of sale and kind of bring everything full circle to kind of, you know, set out to solve that problem with Adzi. Cool. You know, and it's interesting because again, it's like, this is such an interesting topic because I know that there are people listening right now that are like, Hey guys, like I sell credit card processing. Like I sell VX 520s. I sell Clover, you know, whatever. They're like, what are you talking about? Right. So can, can you, do you have an example maybe where you could tell us, you know, you mentioned this customer journey, which is really important to understand. What does the customer journey look like for a customer of one of your clients that's using Adzi? Maybe you could give us a little example. Yeah. So we could use the example of like a jewelry store to where, you know, through our system, let's say if they wanted to go in and retarget folks from the previous holiday sales. So let's say if someone was on our system in December of 2018, you know, they could actually utilize that data for the following holiday season by actually downloading a list of everybody that made an in-store purchase the previous year. And then they could run targeted ads like a look, you know, through a lookalike audience to seek out new customers. And basically the way our system works is it's a hundred percent trackable. So, you know, when you run these ads, anyone that actually sees your ad on, whether it be like Facebook or Instagram, and then comes in to make a purchase, 
we're actually capturing all that data at the point of sale. So think about like first name, last name, you know, date and time of the transaction, the amount of the actual purchase. Um, if they're entering their SKU items into the point of sale, we can track that as well. But then most importantly is our, you know, kind of the bread and butter to make all this come full circle is they can actually get an email or a text message receipt. And essentially what we do is we encrypt that data and then we send it to Facebook and Facebook will generate a response saying, you know, yes, John Smith saw this ad and then he came in and uh, he purchased a diamond engagement ring for $5,000 so that we can actually to the penny now show the business owner the full buyer's journey and the true monetary return on investment. Now, now one thing I do want to clarify here, and I, I think I, I think I'm understanding this correctly, but I mean, as far as getting the inf- the data from the offline, from the point of sale system to Facebook to confirm some things, we do have yeah. to collect in, either an email or a phone number. I mean, that's how, that's how Facebook finds people. I mean, is that, am I right there? Or is there some other ways? Yeah, that's correct. So okay. we are more like retail focused. Um, as far as, you know, future integrations, we're looking at like some restaurant point of sales that utilize pay at the table technology. Um, but yeah, we really intended this platform to be more for like, you know, service based businesses or like, you know, jewelry store, think automotives, boutiques, anyone that's really, you know, checking out at the point of sale, um, which we've kind of come to call, you know, the point of interaction at this point. Sure. So let's say just to just again to really get it down to the nitty gritty details. Let me let me restate this and tell me if I'm right. So what you're saying is, okay, I'm a jewelry store. Last year, 300 people came into my store and bought something at my jewelry store. So I'm going to take some email addresses and phone numbers that I collected from those 300 people, and Adzi is going to automatically take that up to Facebook and tell Facebook, hey Facebook, find these 300 people and then find another you know, uh, whatever, another 100,000 people in my area that are like these 300 with the generally the same, you know, maybe income level, same demographics, whatever Facebook decides is similar, and then show them this ad this year so we can get them to come in and buy stuff. Am I on the right yeah. track there? Yeah, I mean, that, in, in essence, that is Adzi. Got it. Okay, cool. And, and the, really the great thing about this is then from that point – when not only do we have that capability, which just that is, you know, <laughs> most brick and mortar businesses aren't even doing that, right? So then from there, now, once I show that ad, if 17 people actually come in and buy jewelry, I will know that those 17 came from that specific Facebook campaign and Adzi can help me understand my return on investment as a, as a jewelry store owner. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. So okay. we show for each individual campaign, the exact amount of people who converted the actual monetary dollar amount for, you know, the conversions, And then we even show like customer acquisition costs at the individual campaign level, as well as like an average on a monthly basis. Sure. Got it. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, so, all right, I think I, I think we're getting a good a good handle on that. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about why would salespeople want to sell this. So we have you know ISO owners and, and executives as well as individual salespeople listening right now, and they're like, okay, that sounds cool. It sounds like business owners would want that, but you know there's so many other things they could sell: loyalty campaigns, you know, whatever you name it. They're always getting pitched on like other things to pitch. So why should yeah. somebody who's selling merchant services why should they also sell Adzi? Well, we believe it's an enormous opportunity to, you know, not only differentiate yourself, but there's really not a whole lot of products in the marketplace that can show a business owner the true monetary return on investment. So if you think about like all these different like analytics products out there and all the different softwares, it's really hard to point to one and say, 
you know, this product can show me that it's making me, you know, for example, $500 a month. So that's really our key differentiator is businesses will understand pretty quickly, you know, in a matter of months, whether or not they have a positive return on investment with Adzi. And, you know, for ISOs and agents, you know, kind of the name of the game is rate slinging. You know, you're going in and you're shaving a hundred bucks a month in order to convince these business owners to switch their payment accounts to you. But, you know, I would argue that every penny shaved is actually just, you know, more money off of your own margin. So if you save someone a hundred bucks a month, you're shaving $1,200 a year off your own margin. So this is a really great tool that an ISO could use to actually go in and say, okay, you know, we're going to charge you $49 a month as a license fee to utilize this technology, but then we're just going to save you 49 bucks. So, you know, with this, um, that plan in place, an ISO can actually have additional revenue of $600 per year while, you know, being able to provide some sticky technology that's actually going to help their customers to have more of a sustainable business model overall. Sure, absolutely. And, and I mean, one thing that's, that is interesting, and I mean, I don't think anybody knows this that's even listening to my podcast, but I actually sold Facebook advertising as a package to my clients. Uh, you know, not, not anything as cool as Adzi. It was like actually like my office would do some stuff for them, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's definitely something that business owners, like I said, they want to talk about it. And that's why I want to do the interview today because merchants love the idea of talking about this. And what I love about Adzi is that when I was trying to sell Facebook ads to my clients, it was these two totally separate things, right? It was like credit card processing. And then, oh, by the way, we do Facebook advertising, yeah. right? This is like, mm-hmm. yeah, you do credit card processing. We take that data and use it for Facebook advertising, which is huge. And I'll tell you the other thing too. And, and this is just, I'm just kind of giving a plug for Adzi here, but I think it's so cool because one of the big problems business owners have is they get email addresses and, and phone numbers now. A lot of them get that information and they don't really ever do anything with it. You know, like, well, we got to send emails out. We got to send text messages. No, no, no. You don't have to do any of that. Just collect the data and then Adzi's going to take that and make a custom audience. So I would imagine the, the business owners that are using it are probably actually using it as well, which is like a really big deal. Yeah, and that's what's exciting because we've tried other things in the past. You know, at one point we were actually installing Wi-Fi marketing routers in the rafters of restaurants. And we were using that data because, you know, they would opt in through like Facebook or email. And we were capturing emails and phone numbers through the Wi-Fi. And then we were manually uploading that data to Facebook to see what kind of conversion rates we would get. But the problem always was that only about two to three people were logging into the Wi-Fi on a daily basis, whereas that right. same restaurant might have had a hundred covers. Um, right. So that's kind of when I had the aha kind of light bulb moment. I was like, oh my god, you know, we could integrate this to the point of sale, and then you know, it will drive up the conversion rates, and we could really start to automate the processes. Sure. One one last question about the solution, and then I want to talk about integrations a little bit here and stuff. So um, I didn't okay. think about this before, but what about the actual? creative of the ad like is adsy involved like how does that work so i'm a business owner you guys created a lookalike audience for me and i now want to show them an ad do how do i do that how do i actually put the create the ad yes that's a great question we have different packages like if you go on our website most of the packages you see on our website is more or less like a do-it-yourself platform where like we'll train them and do like a 60-minute onboarding but we also offer more of an enterprise package to where we actually will assign a designated analytics manager, copywriter, um, as well as a designer for the business to where we just handle everything for them. Um, That's not actually advertised on our website today. Uh, We may update that, you know, in the future, but we're kind of trying to figure out how the enterprise package ties into our reseller community. Of course. um, Just because our cost goes up significantly. So we kind of got to figure out, you know, how it all ties together. But um, 
yeah, we have, we offer both. And really what we're finding James is like with our do it yourself platform, it's so much more effective than what most folks are doing prior to working with ads because a lot of people might have someone that's, you know, posting on Facebook for them. But as you and I know, you know, posting pretty pictures and getting likes um, is not really the name of the game when it comes to Facebook marketing. Right. You know, you actually have to have a strategy. So when they start actually just utilizing our custom and lookalike audiences, we find that to be a lot more effective than what they were doing prior to us. And that package starts at just $99 a month. Or if you're an agent like selling Adzi, uh, we actually allow you to waive the license fee to where you can literally just match the rates. And then they get all the upgraded technology for free. Sure, and then and then I assume the agent or the ISO at that point would have a small per per merchant monthly cost or something. Yeah, so we have like a revenue share with them. Sure, got um, it. Okay, yeah, cool. So yeah, so I really like this. It sounds really interesting. So so now let's talk about integration. So obviously, when you guys created this technology, there's a lot of different ways you could go with it. You know, you could make your own ISO and say, hey, if you want to sell ads, you got to sell for us, or you could integrate with everybody else. Like, tell us a little bit about the path that you've chosen and what kind of integrations you have with existing technology. Yeah, so you know, Adzi is a pretty new company overall. So. Um, you know, we started with Point because we wanted to kind of look at, you know, the ISO agent channel and really start to understand, you know, what hardware are they selling most often today? Right. And I think like a lot of the forward thinking ISOs are really starting to push Point a lot. Yep. So we started with Point. And then as far as our product roadmap, we're going to be rolling it out on Clover in the next couple months here. Um, after that, we're looking at PAX because PAX seems to be doing a lot with like pay at the table and they got a lot of cool devices coming out. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we're starting to think about like restaurants. So, you know, obviously companies like Toast is like, you know, something that, you know, they're, they're everywhere now, but right. um, we, we probably won't go with them because they actually just imposed a 30% tariff to actually join their marketplace. Right. So right. we're actually looking at Square right now, which you might be surprised to hear me say that because obviously with Square, you can't bring your own payments, but there's actually a good reason for that. Uh, we've been interviewing a lot of like, you know, agents and I always ask them, you know, like, let's say if you're a Heartland rep, like if you run into somebody using Square Register, you know, do you aggressively pursue that business or are you just skipping over them? And almost everybody has said, I actually just skip over them. They're usually happy. They're using payroll or they have, you know, some other technology that's tying them in, you know, that's tied into the business. So we're thinking if, you know, we can integrate to Square, not only are they on every corner of every city in the country, but it actually presents a revenue opportunity for these agents and ISOs who might just be skipping over those businesses today. Oh, I see. So what you're saying is instead of skipping over them or in the in, in the situation where you can't sell them your terminal, your credit card processing, you could sell them Adzi. Yeah, exactly. For oh, you see. know, ninety nine bucks a month, you'll still walk away with um, you know, a recurring revenue hmm. stream. That's interesting. Um, and we haven't, you know, finalized that decision, but we're definitely sure. on the carefully map. considering it just because that has been the overwhelming response is it's hmm. really difficult to pull folks away from Square. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's like a whole nother uh, podcast interview about competing with Square. But uh, but I like that. That's an interesting idea of, of being able to resell something that you'd be able to actually profit from the people that already have Square. That's interesting. So, okay, so so then zooming out a little bit, though, talk about, uh, let's say I have an ISO and I've got, you know, 200 salespeople and I'm selling 1,000 deals a month or whatever. How would I partner or work with Adzi? What, do you have, a, a, you know, a, a, something like that that you could work with those companies? Yeah. So we use Salesforce and we have a whole partner community that's um, built out with, you know, resources. So we have like different sales scripts that are actually specific to like verticals. So like, you know, a jewelry store versus a boutique. Um, And then we have a bunch of marketing collateral training videos, but 
basically when they partner with us, you know, we go through a pretty extensive um, just overall training just to make sure that they're street ready to go out and sell Adzi. And then ultimately they just extend a license fee to us per account. Yeah, um, sure. So it's really simple. We're easy to work with. You know, we're really flexible because we understand what the ISOs like their payment residuals are obviously, you know, where all of their income comes from. So it's very clearly written in our contract that, you know, we're never going to be a competitor. We're not in the business of trying to poach your payment residuals. So right. um, <laughs> overall, you know, we're very easy to work with. And, um, you know, we've been on the reseller side for years prior to kind of building out this technology. So we have a pretty good understanding of like what people want with a reseller program. Um, just, you know, having access to all the um, collateral and just, you know, having the support of our staff is, you know, going to be ultimately, you know, going to help them be more successful. Well, you know, it's, I'm really glad we had this uh, interview. I mean, I think our listeners hopefully have learned a lot and I think, you know, again, to me, the reason when you reached out to me and then I immediately am like, oh, we got to do a podcast interview because, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, at the end of the day, really, this is an app we're downloading on point. I mean, you know, and so it's it's pretty simple process. And it's like of all the things you could walk in and talk to a merchant about that you're trying to sell them on credit, your credit card processing system, um, a a fairly automated way of taking their payment data and leveraging their point of sale data to make Facebook ads. I, you just you're not going to really find anything that's going to be better than that as far as grabbing their attention. I don't think. So, um, I love to hear you say that. Yeah, uh, it's it's it really is true. And again, I'm speaking from personal experience. And you know, when I was out in the field selling, I would love to have been able to sell Adzi instead of what I had to sell, which was this extremely complicated uh, <laughs> manual process. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's great. So John, tell us um, where would you send people to learn more about this? Uh, we have you know again ISOs as well as individual agents. Where should they go to learn more? Yeah, the easiest route is just go on our website and fill out a form, or you can just email support at adzy, so that's A-D-S-Z-Y dot com. Um, someone from our team will reach out right away, and we can kind of walk them through the steps to ultimately, you know, selling Adzy. Cool. I would really encourage everybody listening, definitely go check out the website. He just said it, so it's make sure I got it right here, John. It's A-D-S-Z-Y dot com. That's right. correct, A-D-S-Z-Y. Cool. Go check it out. It's uh, it's pretty neat. It's a, I love when, you know, it's one thing when people create a technology and they're like, hey, I want to get access to the ISO world. That's one thing. But when they say, I've got this technology and I've gone out of my way to integrate it into the stuff that you're already doing in the ISO world, that's a pretty cool opportunity. So, uh, John, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. And it uh, looks like a really cool company. I'm excited to see what happens. All right. Thanks for having me. Look forward to you know, talking more in the future. All right. Thanks, John. Have a great day. All right, take care. Bye. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Greensheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. Okay, so the big news this summer, uh, James, is that the Federal Reserve plans to build a new round-the-clock payment and settlement service. Yeah, I heard something about this. Yeah, called FedNow. The service uh, will eventually enable near-instantaneous transfers of funds, that is, within seconds. Now, it's not going to happen quickly, of course, because the Fed is notoriously slow to act on yes. anything like this. <clears throat> Indeed. And by their own reckoning, it's not going to be ready until 2023 or 24. Which means 2030. Probably. And, you know, the <laughs> irony of this is that the Fed first started on its, quote, faster payments initiative in right. 2014. Right. <laughs> and it said it wanted to do something by 2020. So that right. gives you an idea of just how slow 
the Fed can be. Yeah. But, um, you know, a little bit of background. The Fed actually has authority. It's encouraged to, to offer payment services by a, 1920, a 1980s law called the Monetary Control Act. And that basically made it the payment services provider of last resort to financial services. Sure. Okay. So that means like even the tiniest little bank in, you know, North Dakota right. has the same access as Chase Manhattan. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so, you know, the Fed already does this for, you know, ACH and checks and wires. Um, the check, you know, and the Fed has also been um, pushed by Congress. Right. Uh, there's legislation in both the House and the Senate that would urge the Fed to build a real-time payment network and uh, um, with a focus particularly on consumers and small businesses and, you know, with the idea of helping right. them to improve their cash management. You know, before we go into this any further, too, it's important to, to realize that although there are networks like Zelle that are advertised right. as and post to consumer accounts as real-time, they're not. Right. You know, even the Clearinghouse, which is a, uh, a, a, a an association of some of the largest – of all of the largest banks, they have a, quote, real-time payment network. But – and it can affect payments in near time – in near real time, but only among the 20 or so banks that are, are part. part of that right. group. Well, and like how does – how does the whole thing – are you familiar with the thing where, um, <clears throat> you know, you can – uh, do like an instant transfer to somebody's debit card, right? If they're part of a certain network or right. whatever, right? But again, that's that, that kind of thing. It's the same kind of thing. Like, okay, let's say I'm going to send you to your debit card fifty dollars, right? Right. And let's say it's Friday. Yeah. So I send that to you at six o'clock on Friday night. Yeah. You'll get that money immediately, but on the back end, that money is not debited until Monday. Oh, I see. So it goes to your account instantly, but it's still pending in mine. It's still pending in yours. I see. Okay. So it's, uh, it. you know, there's obviously, yeah. and one of the things that the Fed's most concerned about is there's risk in there. With a $50 payment, maybe not, but $10,050 payments? Right. Then it starts, you know, being problematic. Well, that's the interesting thing, too. I was talking to um, uh, a CEO that everybody would know in our industry, and um, he's looking to implement the same thing Square has with the 1%, mm -hmm. and then you can do you know instant funding. Right. But you know, I was talking to him, and it's like, you, know, you would think that 1%, well, that would probably be really, really profitable. Well, maybe. Mm -hmm. Depends on how much fraud there is. Right. Exactly. And he's like, you know, probably when Square rolled that out, they probably had some really bad months. I bet you they did. Where they had a lot of people taking advantage of it or whatever. And so, you know, so there's definitely a concern there with that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and it's, it's, it's called, you know, it's the, 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 they call those daylight overdrafts because right. they're overdrafts before final settlement, right? Yep. yep. Um, so anyway, just to put it in perspective, those 20 or so banks that are part of the clearinghouse. Yeah. They, um, I, I had a guy from the clearinghouse try to, you know, talked to me the other day. He's like, but right. Patty, we have better than 50% of the deposit transactions in the U.S. To which I said, yes, Steve, but 20 banks is what? one per Less than 1% of all the banks in the country. Yeah. So if you're not banking with B of A, Chase, City, right, right. those guys, um, you're not getting access to that. Right. So the Fed, you know, has said that it's necessary to build a public sector alternative to this real-time right. payment system that the big banks have. Right. Um, and, you know, has a lot of support from community banks and from merchants, as you, would, as you might imagine. Of course. And this is what uh, the Fed, one of the Fed board governors said, uh, quote, everyone deserves the same ability to make and receive payments immediately and securely. And every bank deserves the same opportunity to offer that service to its community. 
Fed now will permit banks of every size in every community across the country to provide real-time payments to their customers. Hmm. But here's the thing. I've been covering payments for 40 years now. And right. I remember when the Fed first started doing this about ACH. Everybody needs an electronic connection to the ACH. Right. Be able to clear things immediately. Do you know how many years that took? A long time. Uh, over a decade. <laughs> yeah. Over a decade. Just to get a bunch of banks to get PC connections to the Fed. Right. So, you know, it's going to take time. But, um, you know... Uh, you know, there is a desire clearly for credit unions and small banks to be able to make funds available on a real-time basis. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, there was a letter from a group of um, leading uh, merchant associations, National Retail Federations, National Association Convenience Stores, sure, sure. all those big guys, right? They sent a letter to Congress and to the Fed just before the Fed made this announcement. Right. And I thought this was an interesting quote from there. Quote, the U.S. economy and consumer never sleeps. Many of our members' doors are open or they are accepting online transactions 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. While retail is always open for business, it can still take days to settle debit card transactions. This delay in settlement traps billions of dollars in transit between banks rather than being in a retailer's account providing liquidity and resources needed to conduct and grow their businesses. Challenges of these delays are mirrored on the customer side. Hmm. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the letter also contained a thinly veiled uh, swipe at the credit card companies. It said, retailers and other stakeholders have learned over the decades the lack of competition in the U.S. payment space has stifled innovation and put us at a disadvantage globally. Yeah. A lot to be said for that. Absolutely. You know? But you see, here's the thing. The really big news isn't that the Fed wants to build this network but that it's going to be moving to a 24-7, 365 clearing and settlement. Sure, that's agenda. a huge change That right is there. humongous. I mean, a lot of people, I was talking to a friend just the other day, and, and he was astounded when I told him the Fed clearing and settlement is only open for about 250 days a week, a year. Right. And only then from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, right. Good so luck at 2 o'clock, yeah. if you're on the West Coast, it's after 2. Right. Forget it. And, and imagine, you know, being a small merchant, you know, yeah. trying to, you know, trying to keep your your business afloat. Sure. So, um, you know, once every bank and credit union has access to a 24-7-365 clearing and settlement mechanism, the potential for new payment products and services geared towards consumers and businesses could really take off. Yeah. I right. mean, there's a huge appeal for consumer payments. You know, some experts have speculated that consumers could save tens of millions of dollars a year on overdraft fees, right? check cashing charges, sure. and payday loans if they could be guaranteed availability on their paychecks. Yeah, right. Right? Sure. And, of course, merchants would get, you know, benefit from faster access to their card receipts, like we were talking about, you sure. know, in terms of same-day or next-day funding. Yeah, of course. And I think the really big news here is that real-time access to funds it's going to be a huge um, impetus for innovation. Yeah, in oh, products sure. and services. Sure. Yeah, you know? I think it's. I think it's going to be so interesting to see how it plays out. And as you said, I mean, it's kind of a something to keep your eye on. Yeah, and you know? and, and and to to be particularly aware of the fact that it's just not going to be the Fed and the big banks. There are probably going to be other people in there, you know, the PayPal's and yeah, the Squares of, of the world that are going to be, 
using this new capability right. to, to enhance their services. Yeah. And I'm, I would be fully expect ISOs and acquirers to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is really interesting, Patty. I think it'll be uh, fun to kind of see how it plays out. I'm sure we'll get more insider reports as it moves oh, along. Oh, as it moves along, we sure will. So Awesome. Thanks, Patty. Uh-huh. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So, Patty, today I'm going to answer one of the biggest questions that salespeople in our industry have, and that is, should I take appointment scheduled leads from my ISO mm -hmm. or should I just go out door to door? Yeah. So, you know, clearly this is not a yes or no question. No, it's not. Um, you know, there are some agents I know in the industry that do great with appointment scheduled leads. There's some that do great just hitting the pavement. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I want to give you a couple, a couple things to think about. <clears throat> Number one, not all appointment scheduled leads are created equal. No. Even at the same company, you know, it all comes down to there is a person on the phone calling. If that person is terrible at their job, Ooh, forget you're it. not going to get very good appointments. Right. But there may be somebody sitting right next to them scheduling appointments for another agent in your same company that's amazing. Right. So not all appointments are created equal. If you get a terrible appointment scheduler, guess what? You might have to go out and do some you know, beating the pavement. Mm -hmm. Number two, walking into businesses for prospecting and I'm going to say this, and I know some of you are going to disagree with me. That's fine. I can live with it. Walking into businesses cold turkey should be part of everyone's yes. prospecting strategy. You have to be able to do that because... You know, you do. You just have to. If you got three leads, walk into the 20 businesses nearest those three leads. Yeah. I used to say, you know, well, you know, you could do... Phone can be successful, whatever. Yes, it can, but I'm telling you... Because so many people are on the phone now, especially with cash discounting and surcharging, they have a new thing to pitch. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many, they're getting so many phone calls walking into a business. You know what I mean? It's just powerful. It is because, you know, they see you in the face, you know, they can look you in the eye right. and know. They know you're local. They'll know. Yeah, exactly. And whereas if there's somebody just setting up an appointment. Right. They might just say, yeah, sure, I'll take it right. just to get you off the phone. And you know what's terrible about that, too? This is the other thing. I was, I, so I was talking to one of our six-week Jumpstart uh, participants yesterday as well, um, and I was talking to him because he just went from appointment scheduled leads, and I, I convinced him in his situation uh -huh. to get off of those leads. And I'm talking about this is a sales rep that does 12 deals a month like clockwork. Hmm. And I realized that for him, he could be doing 20 deals a month if he was walking if he in. was off leads. Yeah. Well, the other reason is because these leads they're getting, you have to understand, these people who are calling, these are like 
$10 an hour employees at best. Right. Right. And I'm not saying anything negative about them. I'm glad they're doing their job. That's, that's good for them. Yeah. But this is not somebody. But they're not invested in it. Well, they're not invested in it. And this is not somebody who's going to make a great connection with the owner of the 14 location pizza shop. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to lose out on the big deals. You're going to lose out sure. on the really profitable deals. Mm-hmm. And so again, if you're getting two or three appointments a day, great, go ahead. But if you don't walk into the businesses nearby, you're going to miss out on the ones that that telemarketer couldn't get for you. Right. And also, you know, if you're if you're already visiting those businesses, how much time is it taking? Right. You? Exactly. Walk across the street, walk next door. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And and you can easily say, hey, I was just or at the bakery shop across the street. Right. You know, I just sold them, you know, this great new terminal. Right. You know, maybe maybe you and I could do something. Yeah. And, you know, this is the key thing, too. You know, good salespeople, if you if you know, if you're driving down the road right now, you're listening to the podcast and you know that you can sell, you know, mm-hmm. that's not up for grabs anymore. Right. Some of you, you're still figuring that out. And that's that's, you know, good for you. Keep reading sales books. Keep listening to the podcast and all that. But for those of you that are like, yeah, James, I know I can sell. I got this right. Right. The only variable for your success is how many minutes each month do you spend talking to a qualified prospect? Yeah. And I would submit to you that driving an hour in between three appointments every day. Imagine how much time you're wasting. It's not the best use of your time. Like, no. seriously, if you were, you know, if you walked into what, 30, 40 businesses, which you could easily do in three or four hours, mm-hmm. you can walk into 10 businesses an hour. Okay. Right. Sure. Uh, in almost any market. So if you do that, how many business owners, qualified business owners, do you think you would be speaking to if you walked into 30, 40 businesses? Right. Probably nine. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're going to talk to nine versus three. three. And as you all know, I don't care who your appointment scheduler is. You're not walking in there and people are like, oh, yeah, that was me. Please sign me up. Right. No. Yeah. It's still an uphill battle. And in some cases, it's even more of an uphill battle because they're like, no, I told them not to send you out here, you know? Right. So, you know, it's it's in some cases harder. They're expecting you to come, so they're not there. You know, you have these other issues you have to overcome. And so walking into those businesses can be very, very powerful. So here's my, my advice. If you're getting appointment scheduled leads, number one, are they good or are you just running around like crazy for no reason? Right. If they are good, I mean, obviously, if they're not good and you're not closing a lot of the deals, then like stop. Yeah. This be pretty obvious. Save your gas money. If they're really, really good and you're like, no, James, like I'm, I'm closing 8, 10, 12 deals every month from these leads and I want to keep going. Okay, that's fine. As long as you're going to walk into at least three to five businesses around each lead that you get. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least three. Think about right. it. You got an hour between each each right. appointment anyway. Yeah, you might as well walk into a couple. Yeah. So I would challenge you to that because I think you're going to find really, really good deals in between those leads that you otherwise are never going to get from your appointment schedule. Yeah, I agree. Good stuff. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, We appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.